Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the latest episode of the CS School podcast, where we speak with CS professionals from all over the world, learning about the hottest topics in customer success by stripping them right back to basics and discovering how best we can apply these strategies. This episode is brought to you by Vitaly, the all-in-one customer success platform. Take a qualified demo with the Vitaly team and also get a free pair of AirPods. Vitaly maximizes the productivity, visibility, and collaboration of your CS team, helping you increase NRR and streamline operations. With Vitaly, your team can focus on the tasks and work that actually matter, while powerful automation takes care of the routine stuff. See why Vitaly is trusted by leading B2B CS teams. Visit vitaly.io forward slash CSC today to schedule your demo and get your AirPods. Right now, let's get stuck in. My name's Grace Gupta, and I'm the copywriter here at Customer Success Collective. Now, joining me on the podcast today is Danielle Martin, Senior Customer Success Manager at TryHackMe. Danielle has over a decade of experience in customer relation management. With a background in recruitment, sales and HR, she certainly brings a unique perspective to her work. People are well and truly Danielle's passion, which is compounded by her natural ability to build rapport with them. Driven by a strong, genuine desire to help humans, and as well as being an advocate for a human-first approach to customer success, it's a no-brainer that we had to have Danielle on the podcast. She is our perfect guest to have on the show to discuss the all-important topic, how to ingrain a human-first approach in your workplace. Right. Shall we crack on with the episode? Let's go. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? Yeah, hello. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Uh, great to be here. Oh, really excited to have you on here because we're going to be talking about something so, so interesting, um, something really, really important. Um, and it's, I mean, this, I guess, really, we're going to be looking at this topic from a customer success angle, but this is something I think every kind of part of the build, um, part of the building, part of a business should be looking at is how to ingrain a human first approach in your workplace. Um Super, super relevant topic. Um, but before we delve into it, could you please um could you please explain a little bit about yourself and I guess really how you got into customer success and what your role at TriHackMe looks like? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Danielle and I look after the customer success team at TriHackMe, which is a cyber e-learning platform. Um Got into customer success, wow, I mean, like most people, it's one of those, I didn't even know customer success existed uh, until about five years ago. And uh, from coming from a predominantly sales, sim recruitment background, um, I always realized that I was very much more interested in the people behind the deals, you know, wanting to genuinely get somebody a job. Um, but that doesn't really reflect to revenue and sales targets. And so I started to realize that, you know, I probably was better off in a role where, uh, you know, a, kind of a company in a, in a role where it could satiate my appetite and my ambition, but also give me the opportunity to connect with people on a daily basis and solve problems for them. So um, I got my first opportunity um, in a payroll SaaS company and um, the rest is history. I was kind of, I, when we were thinking, when we were thinking about doing this, um, this episode, I was thinking about what it means to be human first. And, you know, if you just look, I mean, anywhere, if you look on, if you just go scrolling through Twitter, whatever, you find that so many companies have this level of person, pers personality, personability, that's not quite a word, but you know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. that I guess you didn't really have 15 years ago. And, you know, if you look on, you know, the social media accounts of certain um, companies, they're really trying to 
put their company's uh, personality out there and make it way more accessible. And I was thinking, you know, when we were thinking about this episode and we were having a chat about what's going to look like, I was thinking how important having that human sort of connection is for your customers. And, you know, I mean, I just, the examples I just gave were marketing, but it's, I think it still stands. Um, Having a human at the center of how you present yourself is so important, but, and that's all very outward stuff, but how do you actually make your company, you know, human first on, you know, on the inside, you know, it's all very well and good. You're having a really funny Twitter account and you're engaging with your customers and it looks like, you know, they're pretty accessible. They're pretty approachable, but what does it mean to have like actually have human first, uh, you know, approach to your, again, your workforce in a company? Like, so I think before we, yeah, before we really start this episode, I was hoping to pick your brains and sort of I guess really find out what it means to be human first in your efforts at work. You know, what's this, what's almost a bit like the psychology around being human first, if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. So firstly, anyone can adopt, you know, a human first approach, you know, from any a customer success representative at any level and stage in their career. Um, to be human first in your day to day, it's to think of the human you are dealing with in every single interaction. You know, me as a person, I want to connect with the individuals that I speak to. You know, I want to understand what makes them tick. And that's beyond a professional setting. You know, I think you have to show genuine interest in what your client wants to achieve with your product and service. And find out the why behind the why, you know, going deeper and deeper with targeted questioning. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to just understand why Joe Bloggs purchased our product. Yeah, I want to know the problems that they're expecting this product to solve and what solving those problems will do for them. So will it mean, you know, if they manage to drive efficiencies by using our products, will that mean they can finish an hour earlier and spend more time with their families? Does it mean they can get a promotion that they've been striving for? And I think understanding the humanity behind why people make the decisions they do and why they purchase the products they do and why they want to use them. Um, it helps us both understand, you know, us and the client, what's at stake if we both don't work together to make it a success. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you. So it seems to me, it strikes to me that there's a similarity here between being customer first and human first, but if anything, the human first um, approach or, you know, thought process or whatever that really it just gets to the rather than you know a customer first a customer centricity customer centricity i guess always puts the customer at every part of you know a business decision but human first i'm assuming based on based on your you know, brilliant response there it's actually thinking about this this is this customer is an actual person or this employee is an actual living person and let's think about let's actually it sounds so basic but let's treat them like an actual person rather than just a, a, a like a, a like rather than just like a support ticket or a this or a that yeah Exactly. I always say it. To, um, I also look after our support department, actually, which is um, is great because I get to manage both sides of the coin and make mm. sure that everybody in the customer journey gets a human first approach. But, you know, I always say when, you know, a ticket comes in, it's a massive complaint and the support agents thinking, you know, you know, they feel a bit, you know, this is a bit unfair. I don't agree with what they're saying. You know, actually, mm. if you think about it, this person is a human behind a keyboard that's felt strongly enough that they've typed a very, very long, angry yeah. email. And that doesn't come out of nowhere, you know? So mm. you've got to understand there's reasons behind why why people do the things that they do. Mm. And all you have to do is seek to understand the why behind that why. Mm. No, definitely, definitely. I um, no, completely agree with that. I think, um, yeah, I was, I was quite curious to know how you, you as a, you know, 
any CSMs or heads of CS, heads of customer success, whatever your seniority, it can feel, I imagine, maybe slightly challenging. Like, where do you start in, you know, how, how do you start um, implementing a human first approach within your business? You know, it's all well and good, you know, people, you know, you might read an article on LinkedIn or listen to a podcast, not this one, because this is great. <laughs> listen to a podcast there about, you know, um, talking about human first approaches, but actually like putting that into place in your business can feel maybe a bit daunting, like, you know, where to start, for example. Um, so in order for it not to feel like a bit of a pipe dream or think, well, I'm not in the C-suite, I can't do it. How can you try to, you know, your average employee, how can you try to implement a human first approach in internally in your company um you know how 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 would how does how does one go about that would you say yeah so you know having a human first approach it doesn't mean it has to be you know a company-wide initiative that you roll out to everybody and make everybody aware hey this is what i'm doing yeah. you know it's just something you can do in your everyday interactions with people and i think it starts with buy-in from your colleagues you know, I don't know if you've ever read The Chimp Paradox by Steve Peters, but it talks about how to conquer our inner chimp. And by doing so, you know, you overcome the urge to be consumed by your emotions, you know. And at times it can feel that way, especially when you're in a high-pressured, high-paced environment. You're dealing with loads of customer issues. It can it can be hard to find the time to take a step back and actually think about why I'm doing and saying the things that I'm doing and saying. Mm. So I think being able to have that time to reflect and understand when we're impulsively acting on gut reactions and when that's actually to our detriment, you know, and that's really important when we're talking about interdepartmental relationships. So adopting a human first approach with colleagues, you know, it's about being able to give people grace always, you know, some, if somebody sends you a, you know, a short or direct email, I'm the type of person that initially thinks, oh gosh, what have I done wrong? You know, mm -hmm. oh, you know, that's yeah. a bit hurt here. Why have you sent that to me? But actually, when you start to realize, again, you know, this list of colleague is somebody who's also under a lot of pressure. They're a human, you know, just like me, they make mistakes, you know, what pressures are they under that made them send this email? You know, how, why is this so urgent to them? And I think you can diffuse so many situations by just seeking to understand, you know, and actually lending an air, you know, sending an email back and saying, hey, I can see that this appears quite urgent. Like, can you explain to me why? You know, is there a reason it's so urgent? Like, I'd love to help, but I want to understand, you know, the reasoning behind that. And I think when you ask people for help or where you seek to understand them more deeply, you trigger something in, in the human where they want to help you then. It diffuses, you know, the kind of initial emotion in them you know yeah I guess it's like taking a step back and realize and putting like you said put sort of piecing together why they might have had a certain maybe a negative reaction and I guess um yeah I I, I guess really just taking a step back and sort of thinking right they are they are clearly unhappy or even if maybe you slightly disagree with their stance you've still got to kind of like you said diffuse it so I think that's a really interesting interesting take um I was also wondering um can you give any examples perhaps of um you know so we were talking about uh sort of how to adopt a human first approach with colleagues um but how you know could you give maybe an example of how to uh use a human first approach with um like yeah like a, a colleague maybe in a different team or something like that 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just to bring it on to the points that we were talking about um, just now, you know, nobody wants to go to bat for somebody they don't think cares about them or their goals, you know, and I think by genuinely taking that interest in people, they're going to want to go to bat for you, which will make your life and your work so much easier. Um, An example, um, which all customer success professionals, I think, can relate to is the whose deal is it anyway game that I like to play between sales and CS, which I actually put into a document um, with a gift to try and bring some like humor and light on that situation. (laughs) you know some days it can feel like an absolute battle Mm, how did that go down (laughs) yeah so you know there's situations where if you're not careful passion can turn a professional conversation to quite a lengthy back and forth Mm. where no one's getting anywhere and that can happen with any colleague at any time you know over anything and I think adopting a human fridge approach to these types of situations is understanding and taking that step back and going what is their side? And I think that is the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Seeing this person as a human as opposed to a, you know, somebody in a war that you're in a war with, you mm. know, actually, do they have a good point? You know, recently I was in a, a very similar whose deal is there anyway in my current role. And, you know, we both went to war on it. And after the conversation, a decision was made, it didn't go in my favor. Then I took it took a day, you know, to really reflect on it and came back and then actually realized, you know, actually, I think they made the right decision. And I spoke to the head of sales and said, you know what, good, good game, good show, you know, and it's about able being able to separate business from actual the personal relationships you have with your colleagues. Yeah. And then, get, you know, for me, I was like, I saw you. So I actually, after on reflection, I see your side and, you know, I think they made the right decision. And um, do you know what? it's actually it's actually really interesting because that situation highlighted that the rules needed to be changed so there's always a positive to look for in these types of situations where you can go okay this is an opportunity for collaboration clearly the rules were great enough that this led to this situation let's yeah. just find the rules you know yeah that's such a good point actually because i think when in the heat of in the heat of a moment like you just gave in that example it could be so easily easy to not back down and just and kind of you're at, you run the risk there of really kind of fracturing that relationship of people you have to work with day in, day out for however long you plan to stay at that company. And it's not, like you said, it's not worth it to, to, for, for, for the, you know, just to save face. I mean, it's just not, yeah, no, it's not, you know, it's important here. You can still be firm and, you know, passionate and, you know, say no and you know be you know say to you know actually no this is mine you know you can you can be you know you can mm. be passionate about a situation but it's just making sure that you ch- keep checking yourself within that situation and going okay are we actually getting anywhere you yeah. know is, are my emotions and the way that i'm reacting to the situation doing you know at a detriment you know is it is it causing me more issues and actually if i took a step back and decided to really you know put the ego aside and yeah. actually seek to understand what their position is could we get to a resolution faster that's the thing just yeah exactly i think you phrased that perfectly because you you're still sticking to your guns but yeah. trying to rather than just being going around in circles of just you know like you sort of tag teaming who's 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 got the, you know the, to blame if it's not actually getting at you anywhere it's just a waste of your energy as well like um that's a really interesting point actually so i guess also this kind of leads on to um how do you you know can you think of an example of how to adopt that human first approach with a with a client i know we touched on that before but um yeah i'm quite curious to yeah i just think it's such an important uh topic uh i'd love to hear how you think how you can resolve 
issues or a conflict through a uh, human first approach with a, with a colleague, client, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very similar to what I mentioned earlier. Asking why is the first step. You know, I want to understand the, the motivations and the emotions involved in a situation. So let's say, um, as I mentioned before, one of my support agents or one of my customer success team received a complaint, you know, and it was quite harsh, you know, and they felt personally, you know, upset about it or they felt wronged by it. My first initial gut, gut instinct is to be become a lioness, you know, it's to protect mm. my team say you know leave this with me you know and kind of you know kind of put an arm around them and then go go hell for leather but in reality that's not the right way to approach it and I think when you when I get those gut instincts I need to you know check myself and go okay (laughs) you know we need to be able to protect the integrity of you know of the business whilst also if a client's been you know quite rude or you know unprofessional with one of my team Mm. it's letting them know that but in a really clever way where I'm showing empathy you know and asking them you know do they feel genuinely wronged by us you know what what's the reason behind this situation where did it start you know Mm. and I gathering all that information to really get to the crux of the why behind the why there um putting myself in their shoes um and you know asking them what their proposed solution is because that definitely puts people you know on the back foot where they go oh actually I was expecting them to come back and say, you know, there's nothing we can do here. So I was ready for another fight. But now they've come back to me, taking the time to genuinely understand my issue and ask me what I want them to do for me. (laughs) And I think stuff like that, you know, it's so unbelievably simple when you think about it and you break it down. But I think in the heat of the moment and in the busyness and the hustle and bustle of the day to day, it's just so hard to implement if you're not very self-aware and trying to like, trying to check yourself, you know, on a regular basis. So I think that's why it's important to, you know, if, if a situation arises where your gut instinct is to go keyboard warrior and go nuts, yeah. <laughs> I think this, the best, the best, um, the best way to approach that is to do nothing for a period of time. You know, whether that's 30 minutes, an hour, or even a day, pop a note in your calendar to revisit it and just think the best thing to do is to just think about it, look at it, think about it, and then come back to it. Um, when you're feeling, when your emotions have settled. Sounds like perfect response, really, I guess, but it's so hard in that moment, I guess, when you've got, like you said, an upset team member and like your your gut reaction is to, (laughs) to be that keyboard warrior. But I was just thinking the alternative, obviously, if you don't take that calm and collected approach, you're going to give the customer quite rightly ammunition to be like well this is this is an unprofessional response yada 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 um but i guess having taking a human first approach and really trying to get to the crux of why why what are the reasons like you said why what are the reasons for you uh for your you know your complaint um and i guess giving it a bit of time what kind of knock-on effect does that give to the customer do you know is it by give, asking them questions like, why do you feel like this? Is it, you know, would you say it's giving them agency, giving them a bit, you know, sort of giving them, making them feel like they have a bit of a, I don't know, perhaps more power, a bit more understanding in your bit rather than just, you know, you, the representative of the company saying, well, this is what we're doing. This is, you know, do you know what I mean? Sort of giving yeah. them a bit more of a, an input and making them feel like actually, hmm, okay. Um, maybe I felt like this because of X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't know. 
Just, yeah. I'm, just quite, I'm quite curious to hear about, know about the philosophy, uh, philosophy, the psychology behind it, because there is there's definitely uh, an element of psychology to this kind of uh, sense. Yeah, thinking, yeah. I think you know. I think again, like realizing that every single interaction you have is with somebody that's also a human. Mm. You have to realize, you know, what would I like to hear in this sort of situation? Yeah, and you know, I think there's situations where giving that bit of time can really help provide that clarity and you know I've had had situations where providing empathy is just what they want but it's not the buzzword of empathy that goes around like oh you know you must be empathetic no one teaches how to be empathetic being truly empathetic is actually understanding their issue so you know going away and then being vulnerable and honest I think that goes a long way being authentic and being honest not writing you know a you know, just a standard, I apologize for the inconvenience, you know, please accept my sincere apologies, this will not happen again, you know, instead of doing that, say, hey, Jim, you know, thanks for, thanks for sending that in, you know, I understand tensions are running high, but, you know, I've taken the time to really understand your issue, and from what I can understand, it's actually this, you know, and and do you think that if we maybe would have gone about it in this way, we wouldn't be here, Mm. Um, you know, I really appreciate you bringing this to my attention, and can you get, let me know what, your desired solution would be here. Can you let me know? And that usually, you know, Jim would get that email and go, wow, you know, I was mm-hmm. angry, but now I've received this email. And, you know, they've not, you've not faked it. You know, they've yeah. genuinely understood and they've not given me a stock email response. I can alternate, sorry for your complaint. You know, we will do better in the future. But how, you know, it, that's seeing people as en masse, you know, it's not seeing mm-hmm. them as an individual with feelings that yeah. feel genuinely wronged. And, um, want something done about it, you know, and I've been in positions, it's very rare that I complain to companies having had, you know, very much um, client facing roles my entire life. I understand how difficult it can be to deal with, but you know, there's been times when I've gone, you know, I've I've received it, you know, maybe in a restaurant or you've received a really bad experience. And I just think I've got to, you know, Mm. um, but I think when I receive emails back like that, I just think this is this is the kind of customer customer you know because this is the kind of emails I'd want to get you know yeah. so that's why how I always litmus test it. Would I want to receive this email? No, for sure. That's I think it's it it sounds like such, when you hear it like, like like that. Would I want to receive that email? How would I want to be treated? It sounds it is so simple, but it's something that I think is forgotten in by so many companies this that people not actually you know doing what they're you're doing what they preach um and actually in enacting that yeah I think as well so there's there's other situations it doesn't always have to be about complaints right so you know I've had uh, clients that are in the aerospace industry and obviously that was an industry that got heavily impacted by COVID and you know it's still still recovering from that and you know I was chatting to one of my clients and they were saying you know budget's a little bit tight like is there anything you can do and I you know, revenue is super important and, you know, our, you know, our NRR and, you know, it, it, you want to keep as much revenue as possible. That, that is our job. But similarly, people remember kindnesses, you know, and done out of the goodness of your heart, you know, and wanting to genuinely help them. And, you know, even though I couldn't give a discount, I was like, do you know what? I tell you what, what do you think if I gave you a bunch of swag, it would make your team like really, really chuffed. And she was, she was absolutely over the moon. And I sent them a big swag package and she sent me a picture, you know, of like all of their team all swagged up, absolutely living the best life. And, you know, when budgets are tight and when, you know, the kind of morale is low, something as simple as just, you know, what's, what's a bit of swag, you know, it costs you a limited amount of money, but the, the impact that's had on that client and just, you know, 
just given just given a little bit sometimes just when when you know that it will make that impact i think is important oh definitely definitely i mean i yeah i mean i guess with i guess with sort of constrained budgets now it's you've got you've got you've got to be inventive because you can't you know might not be able to give a discount willy-nilly like Willy nearly. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. You've got to be inventive. You've got to try and think, how can I make this client happy? How can I try to, or, you know, diffuse the situation? Or how can, you know, how can I really reach them? Um, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Also good business because, you know, if if this person moved to a different industry, best believe she'd remember that, you know. So it's kind oh, of, yeah. I do, I, I work and operate in the way that I do because I have a genuine care and empathy and mm. I want to do, you know, do a good job for people. But similarly, I also have good business acumen where I kind of go on the flip side, you know, this is actually a really good business decision because it costs little, but the impact it's going to have is yeah. going to be lasting, you know. Oh, absolutely. It's really going to, it really going to drive your brand awareness. It's going to be like, these guys are actually, you know, they care. They're actually, they're not just after, you know, well, you know, they're not just, it, they know just take like a mercenary approach to business. You know, they actually, there are people there. So oh, yeah, it's brilliant. I was kind of wondering though, on the flip side, and I hate, I hate it when people throw, throw the phrase devil's advocate around, but to be devil's advocate, what would you say are the, the challenges to human first approaches from, you know, from being able to, I guess, implement, uh, you know, human first approach all the time or across a whole organization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing, the biggest challenge is time, you know, even with the best intentions, unless you've got a very small client base to manage, having regular human to human contact is always going to be a challenge. And, you know, I think this is where automation and CS tools do come in handy because they, you know, they take they take care of the day-to-day admin, the metrics tracking, the categorization of your clients, you know, which frees up more time, you know, frees frees up more time for the good stuff. Yeah. Um, another challenge would be when revenue targets are too high. You know, I'm very much one of those people that likes to strive to overachieve where possible you know I'm very passionate about what I do and I'm also very ambitious and you know I like to work to targets and overachieve them just naturally um but I think when you've got targets that are astronomically high you know they can create a tunnel vision which leads people to be less worried about what the clients need you know do they actually need this add-on do they need to expand with us and they can end up becoming more pushy um you know with their clients and you know almost pressuring their clients in becoming kind of yeah hard selling effectively yeah. which is not what customer success is there to do it's there to be that strategic partner to understand the needs of the business understand the needs of your customer and if they do need to need more licenses or need this extra service that you offer you'll know you'll know they need it because you've had those conversations and it should be the easiest sell in the world because if you're you know if you're selling a shoe to a foot you know when the foot's barefoot and it needs a shoe you know i don't know why i use that analogy i believe no, i loved it <laughs> It's like um, the whole sell me this pen situation. You know, yeah. I've had once in an interview many years ago and I took it, you know, I took the pen off him. Yeah, you know, I, I took the pen off him because I'd seen the film. And I was like, I know exactly how this plays out. <laughs> yeah, I took the pen off him. I was like, can you write your name down? He was like, I can't, I have no pen. And I was like, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you when you have situations where you've got limited time, your revenue targets are too high and you're not able to operate 
predominantly with that human first approach where you're genuinely making those connections with your clients um you know it can damage the trust because if you're really pushy or trying to sell something that to your client that they don't need they don't mm-hmm. want you know yeah it can make make you look untrustworthy yeah. and damage the relationship so i think it's important to identify when these things get in the way of being able to on the whole provide that good service um and address them how just out of curiosity how does one do that i guess feeding it back higher up the chain and you know sort of i guess presenting data and saying look this is is that is that how you would you know if, you, if your revenue targets are far too high and it is damaging your you, you think it might be damaging your client relationships is that well, you know quite hard yeah. thing to I don't, i'm not sure i'm, I'm not i'm not the expert <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither me neither i can only tell you what i would do in that situation so i suppose it depends who you're dealing with um but for me it come it's very simple you want to understand why you mm. want to understand why your target is is that is that number you know if you're dealing if you have to deal with you know you speak into the head of customer success and you say hey you know as you know you know i very much want to achieve this target but mm. i'm curious you know why have you gone for that number they might then give you a whole breakdown okay so this is the company's revenue goals for the entire yeah. year this is what i've committed and as such that's fed down to you so then it's a case of okay well being honest and open i feel like we're we're cutting our nose off spite our face in this situation, you know, when we don't really have the capacity to be achieving that goal at this point yeah. and having the conversation, well, what can we do about that? You know, it's bringing solutions, not problems. You know, you can air, air a problem, but come with a solution. And I think there's things that everyone, regardless of what stage you're at in your customer success career, where you can, you can do things, you can, you can do things yourself, you know, Hey, you can, I, I want to drive efficiencies in my day-to-day work. How am I prioritizing my time? Could I get better at that? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I currently contacting our clients? Could I automate some of it? You know, not taking away the human element entirely, but you know, certain things like, you know, inviting them to QBRs, product tours, you know, is there anything yeah. that I can do personally to, to save time? Um, and then present that to your boss and go, this is what I've already done, but it's not yeah. enough. Can you help me? Because I want to achieve this, but I think it's, you know, I don't think it is achievable at this point. Mm. So sort of me trying to meet in the middle of it there, I guess, and sort of, yeah. Mm. I was um, also wondering when we were sort of drafting up the sort of, you know, how this episode is going to play out. um, I've been curious to know how, I mean, looking at human, human first approach in an organization, you know, internally, you know, how, what you know relationships with colleagues like we've touched on and relationships with this you know leadership team um and obviously you know how this feeds into your customer but I was wondering do you think having a human first approach varies depending on you know the scale of a or maturity of an organization you know whether you know you're in a whether you're in a startup environment or you know a well-established market leading company do you think the ease of implementing that human first approach with colleagues and and obviously customers as well do you think that's do you think it's any do you think it's any different um in a in a you know a startup versus medium-sized company or you know a well-established market leader yeah i definitely do i think when you've got you know a startup style business depending on how well the foundations were set for cs you know do we have an inbox full of thousands of emails that haven't been touched and then you bring in one cs person to deal with all that before they start reaching out to their clients and things so i think first thing is it's the foundations that have been set 
Um, how early a business decides to hire a CS team, you know, I think bringing them in as a last resort because you've got loads of complaints and new customers are jumping off a cliff and you don't know how, what, what to do about that. Yeah. You know, that can also be you kind of, you know, chasing your tail. So you don't necessarily have the time to think about strategy until you hit BAU. Um, you know, but I think generally with a startup, they're, they're often more agile. They have less red tape and they allow for a CS team to be able to pivot and innovate. Um, you know, you're able to hone processes quite quickly and add in that automation or add a new tool in and things like that. So you can spend more time on that good stuff, that human to human contact. Um, generally, um, and this doesn't speak for all, you know, larger, well-established businesses, but generally there's a lot more clients. So depending on the size of the team, whether you're understaffed, or not, it could be quite unmanageable quite quickly, um, which brings us back to the time challenge. Um, so it can lead to CS departments having to be generally reactive, you know, where they get to a stage where they're just dealing with inbound queries and they don't have that time to be proactively reaching out um, to their clients and understand them in a more meaningful way. And I think also in larger, more established organizations, there can be much more strict and defined processes and a whole lot more stakeholders involved. So that means that like pivoting, spearheading new initiatives and improving can take a longer time than it would do at a less established business. No, I completely and I completely get what you mean about the being a larger company and having, I guess, I don't want to use the word red tape, but there, you know, there, there, there will be uh so many different processes you will have to go through before you can perhaps take the approach you might naturally want to take with a with a customer or with a or it, you know internally or something but um yeah I was it's really interesting and I was also wondering again when when researching this topic um how thinking about human human first approaches um do you think you know, we've just spoken about the difference in size of companies or maturity of companies and how, how, I guess, how effective taking, you know, the, that, that strategy is in those, those sizes companies. But do you think, do you think it's easier to uh, implement a human first approach in perhaps a customer led, a company with a customer led or customer first approach rather than a product-led or, I don't know, sales-led or sales-first approach? Because to me, it seems that human-first, customer-first, they're almost on the same side of the, <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know what, I don't know what spectrum this is, but they're on the same side. <laughs> but is it, I imagine, it, would you think it's quite harder to implement it in a product or sales-led organisation? You know, I think it's, I think it would be easier to implement a human first approach in a customer led sales company, but I think it all comes down to the people that head up the key departments, you know, mm. in a product led company, you'll seek to increase your market share through product innovations. Sure. But, you know, if you don't have the key heads of department like sales, product, CS, all aligned, it can be a recipe for disaster because you can end up with a black hole of customer feedback that doesn't get reviewed. Sales are selling and making promises on product that ultimately aren't delivered because it's ultimately up to the product team that decide what they build. Um, and everyone's in a silo and no one's talking to each other. But if you've got stakeholders, and it, this is, it has to come from the top down, if you've got stakeholders that are all singing from the same hymn sheet, they see the value of customer feedback and are able to balance, you know, creating new features that are going to generate revenue and being that product-led sales organization, but also taking on board the customer feedback and also, you know, building features that are exciting for your existing client base and the ones they're screaming out for. 
I think I think it can be done. I think it can be done. Um, and I think it comes down to the, you know, the key heads of departments, the stakeholders and the general ethos and the culture of the business that you're in. Yeah, no, that sounds like that's honestly, that sounds like probably like it really does boil down to the people you've got. Like you said, if you're, if you're working with people who are poor communicators or going off on their own agendas and you know wanting to wanting to appear to be the superhero and actually not really you know not being a team player then you, you you're you're setting yourself up for failure there really aren't you yeah, um, that's the difference between people that are human first and people that are you know sales first or them first you know yeah i think when you're dealing with um when you're dealing with characters that you know everybody is just fighting for themselves mm-hmm. um it can be, you know, nothing can get done because everybody's got different priorities and everyone's fighting against each other to kind of, you know, get their priorities to be the first, right? But when you're in a situation where you've got people that genuinely care about the, you know, the North Star goal your business is trying to achieve, but similarly, they care about their their colleagues. They want to help, mm. you know, and they want to, they seek to understand the problems that other departments are having and want to collaborate mm. on that. And I think, when you've got a company like that, where you've got people in really senior posts that f- that feel that same way, it's you know it's just magic. Mm. Oh, thanks so much for this, Danielle. Unfortunately, I think I have really, really enjoyed talking about this because I think it's something that's it's, it's it's accessible and it's something that more people, I think, well, they are talking about it, but more people should be doing because it's it really, really makes a difference if you work for a company that genuinely one treats its employees like genuine you know humans and also the same with your customers like you you want to be working for somewhere that's um that has that mindset and isn't you know just like you said working for individual goals um that's it's really important i also wanted to mention that you're going to be continuing this conversation at um the customer success festival in um london later on this year aren't you i am indeed i can't yeah. wait on November the 29th to 30th, I I recall. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about you're going to be taking part in a panel discussion? And I think it's gonna it's gonna be looking at human, it's gonna be looking at um human first approaches in I think it is in conjunction with um AI and the rise of AI, which is obviously a super important, really rife topic at the moment, because how how does one how does one do that? So it's a really, really interesting topic. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not going to give too much away, but um, yeah, we're looking at human first, particularly within the context of the rise of AI automation um, and also potentially um, participating um, in a roundtable discussion um, about o- overcoming imposter syndrome. So yeah, very excited to be a part of it and, um, you know, really, really humbled and grateful for the opportunity. Oh, I cannot wait to hear this because there are two hugely, hugely important topics. Um, imposter syndrome, I think we can probably all have, <laughs> have all experienced to a, to a degree. And yeah, the, the the trying to I was thinking about this during this episode, navigating human first approaches with uh, with AI. And we we're talking about personalization, and you know, we were speaking before about sending mass emails and you know not having the 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 recipients that you know thoughts you know not be able to what am I trying to say um not be able to have their sort of uh sentiments in the email you know it does kind of it's a bit of a scary scary world exciting but scary where it's going so it's really really excited to um to have to talk for you to talk about that later on in the year but um yeah it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast um really enjoy talking about this I hope you have too 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out our other episodes and go to the customersuccesscollective.com for even more customer success related content. You can also join our global community on Slack and you can find the link to that on the CSC website. But until then, see you next time.